This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Parshas told us, guys, what, what, our, what we're going to speak on today is what Yitzchak Avinu was thinking. In Parakhov 9, Pasagalov, it says, When Yitzchak got old and his eyes were no longer able to see, he called the ears of his older son, but he loved the knee, he loved the knee, he said, my son, he said to him, and that's when he gave him the bracha. So what was he thinking? I mean, it's clear that he had no intention to bless Yaakov Avinu. He had no other bracha. When Esav goes up to him after he gave the bracha to, to Yaakov and says, Don't you have any bracha? Give me the bracha that you're going to give to Yaakov. Yitzchak Avinu said, no, I've got nothing. I don't have another bracha. Now, that, you can answer that in some way, but nonetheless, it seems that way. Why in the world did he think that these brachas were more fitting for Esav over Yaakov? How was he fooled that badly that Esav was better than Yaakov? How could that be? If he has like such one special bracha and only one of his sons yeah. together for some reason... He must have seen, like, generations ahead of time. Yeah, so what you don't do this. I, it's, it's so strange, the whole thing. So a few thoughts before we begin, before we get into this. The Ramban says it seems that Rivka never told Yitzchak Avinu about her nevuah from shame about Rav Yavot Tzoyer, that the older one was going to serve the younger one. Yitzchak never knew. Why didn't she tell him? And for her, it was a game changer. It changed everything about her. She realized that Yaakov was the Iker son just by being involved or being around for that little time. She knew, but he never found out about it. And it seems the following that the idea is is that I, 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 it, the idea is that she was telling over to that Nebuos are only to tell over to others when the word Lamor is used. Since the word Lamor is not written over here, that should be the idea of what uh, what it was supposed to be. It seems likely also that he had no idea about the deal between Esav and Yaakov, where Esav sold his before his firstborn right to Yaakov. It seems like he didn't know about it. Had he known about it, then he'd already know that Esav is a little bit off. That something's something there, but it looks like it's not there. Now, I've not seen this part. I messed this up over here. I've seen this idea only in Achronim. should have been in the second paragraph. This I've only seen in Achronim. I've never seen a Rishon say this, but it seems that Yitzchak never knew about that deal between Yaakov and Esau, which is also strange, that Yaakov never told his father that. What? Lamor is to Vaidabra Hashem Moshe Lamor. Lamor is always to tell over to others, but if there's no Lamor, then you just keep it to yourself. This Nebu is for you. Yes, for you yourself. Rip Kimino was supposed to know about this and not anybody else. And the third thing is that we have to know is a line from Reverend Victor Miller, which we're going to expand upon a little bit. Gifts and bribery will, will, will blind even the greatest of men. It doesn't matter who you are. The Torah is telling us that even a man of Yitzchak's stature, even a man this great, he was swayed by the gifts given to him by Esau, as it says, that the trappings, the word, everything he had was in his mouth, that Esau was able to fool people in that way. He knew that the qualities of greatness were there in Esau. He knew about that through his readiness, his before status, and everything like that. He knew about that. But now he was able to create new reasons, right, as why he was the best son. And that's the idea. This is the very first lesson, right, that you can learn from over here, that everyone has their leanings. Everyone is no gay of a devil. I was trying to think of a good word for that. I don't know a word to translate no gay of a devil with. Everybody is no gay of a devil in some way. Even Yitzchak Avinu. Even Yitzchak Avinu is swayed by it. So don't think that you won't be swayed by certain things that have happened to you in your lifetime. Of course you're swayed by things that happen to you in your lifetime. Of course those affect your line of reasoning. If Yitzchak Avinu was affected, certainly others were as well. That's the first thing that you have to remember.
the first lesson to learn from this thing. Okay, so first let's go with Rapersh. Rapersh gives a tremendous answer, a power of an answer. He says the following. Asaph was a hunter with his mouth. He married two girls that were against the way of living the Yitzchak had prescribed and against everything Yitzchak stood for, and yet still he was the one chosen to do the brachos. It seems that Rivka had an intention all, the, all along to go through this. Until she was able, and all this doesn't really answer why Yitzchak thought this way, until now she was able to dissuade her husband and push it off and say, let's wait, let's wait on these brothers. Let's not give it now, let's give them a little bit later. And she was able to wait and wait and wait. When Yitzchak turned 123, I think it was, I believe it's 123, right, and the boys were 63 years old, at that moment, at that moment, now her husband said, I have to give the brachos. And that was it. It was all over. At this point, it was too late for Rivka to try to prove that Asaph was a bad guy. That wasn't happening anymore. The proving was too late. Now, she wanted to demonstrate how easily Yitzchak Avinu could be fooled. That's what she was trying to do. You think Asaph's a great guy. I keep telling you he's fooling you. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fool you. I'm going to fool you. I'm going to show you how easy it is to deceive you. I'm going to bring in Yaakovino. I'm going to dress him up like Esau. I'm going to have him talk a little bit like Esau. And you're going to see, you're going to think that's Esau. And if Yaakovino, the Ishtam, the Yasher guy, the guy who's sitting in the tent all day, if he could pretend to be a hairy man from the fields, you better believe that Esau has the ability to fake it and pretend that he was a great person. And that's exactly what Rip Gleeman was trying to do over here. As soon as he realized, he gets hooked, realized that he had been fooled by Yaakov, when Asaph came in and said, wait a second, I'm Asaph, not that guy. Immediately, Yitzchok looked up and said, script with Terry, he realized, I messed up. I can't believe I messed up. For 63 years, I've messed up. He couldn't believe it. And Barashas Rabbah Samachai Gimel says it straight out. This is not just Rapersh's idea. It's a medrash. Rivka didn't do this because she loved Yaakov more than Asaph. Rivka loved Yaakov and Asaph equally. You hear this? She loved them equally, says the medrash. She did this so that Asaph would no longer be able to deceive his father. It's the only reason why she got involved. She never would have done it otherwise. Yitzchak wasn't listening, so Rivka decided to take things into her own hands and show Yitzchak how things could be fooled. That, that it, it's an unbelievable idea from a verse, really, from the Medrash, and that's that. But the Orchai gives the classic answer. The classic answer is, he thought, Yitzchak Inu thought, that the Brachos would have the ability to change Esau into a better person. Getting these Brachos would make him a good guy. He couldn't stand to see his son acting this way, sinning and doing terrible things all over. He had to find a way to get him to change, to make him different. He saw that he was Mechabit out to the nth degree. I mean, who, who does that? When was the last time? Just some side note. Who do you know where their, the kid went off the derech? Their father is a big rabbi, and they show an unbelievable amount of kavod to their father to the point where they're one of the greatest Mechabde av of all time. You show me that guy, and I'll show you a guy. Ever, but I'm saying that somebody, somebody can have a good relationship with their parents. No, no, no. I'll show you a guy who has a very good chance of coming back. And that's what Yitzchokina was thinking. He has that much keyboard for me for me, for a big rug, for a person of, you know, who I am, he figured a certain bracha may be able to change things around. That's the idea. Maybe he's off now. Maybe Esav isn't doing well now, but that doesn't mean he always has to be off. That's the idea. Yaakov Avinu was punished for not giving Dina to Esav later on. He didn't give Dina to Esav. Why? Because Dina could have convinced him. Yitzchak might have thought that I'll be punished if I don't give these brachos to Esav. 
That's what he thought. I'll be punished if I don't do so. So he wanted to give him the bracha to be, to change him, said the Orachai Makadosh. The Ben Ishkai says similarly, if a Russia is embarrassed to do sins in front of you, then you have to treat him with a lot of respect. You have to keep going. That person will bring himself back with soft musr, and he'll respect you, right, because of what he's done. And if you publicize his evil deeds, and you say, you're such an evil person, you're a terrible person, we hate you, you shouldn't be here in this world, then you're just going to push him off further and further. He'll be ashamed to come back. He won't want to come back to anything. Yitzchak saw what Esau was like in front of him, realized what kind of a person he was in the honor, etc., and knew that he could do tshuva. He didn't only love him because Saibetiz. He loved him when there was a toelis. That's the shot. When there's something that could come out from it, and he saw that Esau wanted to be together with them, he was willing to work on it. And that's why, after the brachos, and Esau went off completely, showed no kavod toward Yaakov, toward Yitzchak, from that point on, when he stopped showing that kavod, Yitzchak gave up. Yitzchak didn't even try to keep him around. When he moved to Seir, there was no, oh, please stay around here. At that point, Yitzchak literally thought, he's gone. There's nothing to do with them anymore. Once that point came, it was already going to be too late. Ritka, on the other hand, saw something different. Ritka's line, and the reason why she didn't want these brachas in the first place, was something so obvious. Now, this may be a little bit more conjecture on my side from what the Ben Ishchai says. I'm really saying this. I think it's what the Ben Ishchai means, but I'm not positive this is what he means. I think it's like this. Esau maybe would be able to come back and he would be a good person. His sons and children would not be. So although the brachas are good for Esau, the brachas are terrible for his children. So Rivka's thought process was, I understand Yitzchak what you're thinking. You may be able to bring Esau back, but Eliphaz is gone. He's gone completely. So, the son of Eliphaz, is completely gone. There is no way these brachos will help them in any way come back to Klau Yisrael. It's never going to happen. So she said it's not worth it because of the possibility of what's going to be for those grandchildren, great-grandchildren. I'm sorry. I mean, he's giving him a blessing for all generations. Yeah. So, why didn't Yitzhak think that way? Yitzhak thought it was better to have Esau on than even if his sons would eventually go off. Maybe that was his thinking. I will tell you, it's a pure riot. I think it's unbelievably obvious from the Pusik itself. We see that Esau's wives were worshipping Avodah Zara in the house with Yitzchak. And according to one sheet and Rashi, he went blind from it. I mean, according to one sheet and Rashi, he literally went blind from it. So, I mean, it's clear they didn't care at all about Yitzchak Avinu. They didn't care. So maybe Esau cared. But the kids who follow the mother are never going to care about Yitzchak Avinu or anything that he has. Said Rivka, there's no way this book should be given. The Ksav says something very similar as well. He goes into a whole issue of Chinuch. How to treat every child according to what the child is as opposed to what you want your child to be instead of projection, right? To be able to understand what each child needs at every time. Now, the second classic answer given for this, answer, for this question, Rav Moshe Feinstein, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, Rav Hirsch, all bring this down. Really, Rav Yonasan as well. That Yitzchak understood the characteristics of Yaakov and Esav were very different from one another, and he knew. He knew. See, the first answers that we've been giving up until now is really, he had no idea who Yaakov was. He figured Yaakov was basically a Nebuch. This answer really goes into, no, he understood Yaakov. Esau had no zitzvah. He had no ability to sit down and learn. He could go out to the fields. He could go work. I don't want to make like an, you know, like an ADD joke, but like he was that kid that couldn't sit in the classroom. He just couldn't sit down. And any class that was going on, Esau couldn't be there for it. He had to get up and go out and that was that. He could find in his, the fields or whatever he did, his form of a Lotus Hashem. That doesn't mean you're any worse than the person who's able to sit down in the class. You have the exact 
same thing as the person who's learning. This is your tachlis, your job. He looked at Esav not as a b'dyeved. Oh, he's working. What a what a what a nevuch. That's not how Yitzchokinu looked at it. Yitzchokinu looked at Esav and saying that's lichachila. Esav's lichachila is to be out in the field and to find his avodas Hashem there to work for Hakadosh Baruch Hu out there. He understood that's what's going to be there. He looked at Yaakov and he saw a guy who can't go out into business. This guy can't do it. He's not going to make any money. He's going to sit down and he's going to learn all day. So he looked at Yaakov as the Yisachar and Esav as his villain. There will be a spiritual person and a physical person. Yitzchak assumed that the best bracha to be able to give them was exactly this. You, Esav, will get all the brachas of Olam Hazet. You'll be rich beyond your possible imagination. You'll get everything you need. And you'll give that money over to Yaakov so that he can sit and learn. That's what you'll be able to do. The idea behind the brachos was to allow them to work together to be able to make sure that Yaakov's learning would be undisturbed completely. That would bring about Gashmis and Ruchmis to be ruled by his children. And Yitzhak understood that that could be done. Yitzhak's ruling can't exist. That type of idea can exist. Baruch Kassol is never going to work out. His Ramosha, they all say, never going to work out. She grew up in a house of Lavan. She knew the people that start working will never give their money over to a person who sits and learns. It's never going to happen. The people won't take it well. It's not going to happen. These people that are devoid of any ruchnius, meaning an Asa who is going to work and never learn, never get involved in learning, never dive never anything, would never have that connection together with the Yisafar. A Zvulin who wants to learn but knows that his place is in the ships or in the the business market, so that guy, he can get a connection with the Yisachar. But Esau won't. He won't. That's not what his makeup is. Rivka saw that and said, you want it, you have to have it within Yaakov. And Yaakov became the man of two hats. I, I, I don't know. You could have it as like the black hat, right? And then he took it off and he put on his construction hat. You know, I say that, the Jews aren't construction workers anymore. Yaakov had the ability to wear two hats. Why couldn't Esau? He wouldn't. That was where Rivka Tain is. Her claim was, Esau won't. That was her claim. Just remember, as we're growing up over here, as Esau's growing up, he never had a bris mila. They kept pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off, but he never ended up getting the bris mila because he was red at birth. Then at the age of 13, he had to make it on his own. He never ended up doing it. This guy's going around, and Rivka sees what he's doing. The woman that he's marrying, there's no way that he's going to be able to take it on the head. But Yaakov, she knew, had the ability to go out and work. I know up in Selma, he's been 63 and... Um, he was a Tamakacham in his own right. He did find an Avodah Hashem. But he said he had no ability to give to another person. That giving part wasn't there. The taking was there. And he was probably a brilliant man. And probably, honestly, if we would look at him, he probably would look exactly like a Rosh Hashiva. Probably wore a long frock, you know, with a big hat. Right? Like told during davening. Like told during davening. And he probably swayed much better than most Rosh Hashiva do nowadays. Nowadays. He probably even had a better head than Yaakov Avinu. He might have had. I mean, well, we don't know what kind of potential the person, a person that this type of evil comes from, of what it could be. But he didn't. He didn't have it. And Rivki Minu saw that. Yitzchak Avinu saw it and thought that he was this villain. Rivki Minu said, no, there was no way it will happen. And later on, the chance is there. In Parshat Vayishlach, where Yaakov meets up with Esav again. Esav says, I'll go with you. I'll pay for you. I'll be there with you the whole time. I'll make sure that I'll take care of your parnasa. Just let me walk with you, says Esav. And Yaakov Avinu said, no. Yaakov saw it as well. Why should I bother you? Why should you wait for me? Go ahead. I'll meet you up in Harseir. 
And that's the line that Yaakov Inu said to over to Esav. We learn a lot of things from that, but the main idea is that Yaakov and Rivka Menu knew this is not the person you partner up with. Zvulin and Yisachar, those are the people you partner up with. A guy who really is Machshiv Torah and understands what Torah is and understands what to do with his money, great, that's the person. But not this guy, not an Esav. That's not going to work. It was never going to be accomplished. That's the line from there. Right. First, so Yaakov gets punished for not giving Zina. And then if they should ask to go with him, I mean, isn't that like, you're still still like, person go with you? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yaakov, Paskin, no. Yaakov, Yaakov, obviously, Paskin, no. You know, what do you do in these situations? I mean, Yaakov is punished for not giving Dina, but that was, was he really supposed to give Dina over to Esau? Was he really supposed to do such a thing? Were we really supposed to have Esau as a part of Kali Yisrael? Was that really part of the plan? It's Akasha. I've asked this before. I've said this before. Yeah. They would have been all together. I mean, I, let me ask you, just stop. I mean, Rivka Yiminu's plan is what we have right now. It's been 5,775 years and we still don't have Mashiach. Could Yitzchak's plan have been worse? I mean, maybe. But Yitzchak Avinu had a plan, right? And the plan never came into fruition. So we have no idea what that world is. The world of Yitzchak Avinu, where Esau and Yaakov were together and there was a Yitzchak's willing relationship. How much worse could it have been? Well, maybe it would have made the adult much stronger than they are to begin with. And then exactly. That's the answer. The exactly. answer is that Rivki Amino must have seen that the sinner would have been even worse, and we would have been more destroyed, and we would have been more decimated, and something like that. But I, it's a problem. Yitzchak had a plan. There was a plan here. Don't think that there wasn't. His plan was for Zvulun. But Rivki Amino passed him differently, and we go with Rivki Amino. That's how we go. The Chsam Sofer, this is a great shot over here. He says, Yaakov was an Ishtam. Simple man, right? That's how you learn it out. Tum comes from the word Tumim Tiai Masham Alakaka. Parshas Kedoshim. You have to be perfect with that Kaddish Baruch Do not get involved in magics. Don't get involved in the magics and everything else, which is something that Ace of Love. He was Ish Yodea Tzayid Ish Sodet. Do you know how to trap a man of the field? You get it? There's a type of creature that's known as the Ish Sodet. Now, it's talked about in Chilayim, Parachas Mishnahay, in which it brings down that the Bartanur and the Rosh bring down this crazy stuff where it's attached to the ground by its belly button with a, to a gourd, and that, you know, it's a dangerous creature if you come near it, etc. That creature is called a Yadol. You should know, by the way, this first soul calls it an orangutan. Now, the best of my knowledge, orangutans are not attached to the ground, but maybe it means like a man who's so connected to the ground, like an orangutan is a man that's there, which... Mysterious creatures, etc. Right, I, yeah, I, I, the one out there. I'm not going to say whether or not that book's in fair. I'm just saying, right, that, that's around. But yes, they go through that whole thing over there, right? So they go through. So this creature is attached with its belly button to the ground. Asaph was the first person who knew how to capture it. He shot arrows at the belly button, detached it from the gourd, and killed it for the very first time. That's from the Gra. The Rukhina Bachai hints to it, not over here, but elsewhere. The Miam Moiz brings it down that Asaph was the first. Ish Yodei Atzai, he knew how to trap the Ish Sadeh. The man of the field. Okay, he was able to do that. What was a big deal? The Yedoa, which is what this creature was called, was, had a bone in it. That if you took that bone and you put it underneath your tongue, you were able to do the magics known as Yidoni. Oh, the Yidoni? This was Yidoni. He was able to tell the future from the Yidoni bone that he had caught from the Ishsada that he had had. He was a guy who was into magical practices. He got involved with Koko Satuma. He got involved with Shemos Hashem, with names of Akarish Baruch that he picked up from here and there. He got involved in Maisa Shadim. What? Did they have any large primates in like... 
Israel area? No, not there. Not definitely not at the time. I don't think ever they ever really had a primate. But it's not that far away from where there are gorillas or chimpanzees in Africa. I mean, you just have to go down to, you know, what's, what then was known as the Territoria Hagadola or Sambalula, which is right underneath. It's by the areas, you know, underneath Egypt. So you just have to find it right over there. Far over two weeks. Well, that'll be awesome. I, I'm just saying that, you know, I'm not saying I have to go. I'm just saying that I would really like to go. Just saying. Anyway, he was able to convince his father that he could predict the future accurately. Can you imagine what his father thought? He's going around and he's like, Abba, I'm just telling you right now, it's going to rain tomorrow. <laughs> like, he was able to tell it to him. What time, Asos? It's going to rain at 3 o'clock p.m. He's getting it from his Shadim and from his Kokos Atuman from the Edoni. He's finding out all these crazy things. And Yitzchak is just saying, he has Ruach HaKadosh. He's going out to the fields to do his Bodidus. He's sitting in the fields like Ramnachman Nebrestle, doing his own thing and concentrating whatever, and then coming back and doing all these crazy things. Yitzchak, so to speak, is convinced that he has Ruach HaKadosh. Convinced. That's why he wants to give him the brachos. He's the most special out of everyone. Yaakov who didn't get involved. Yaakov who just wanted to sit and learn and do the regular stuff. Yaakov was your misnagid, if you want to say it that way. Yaakov sat around. Come into him, Hashem, look at it. He was an Ishtam. He didn't want to get involved with this stuff. That's the shot. He stayed away completely. So this is it. The command brachos on Dabbo says, Kola oisik betorah mazikin bedeli nimenu. If you're osik in Torah, if you learn Torah, mazikin stay away from you. You don't have any involvement with mazikin or damagers or demons or whatever it is. Ace of use of these Adam got him involved with Sam, that's the name of the Sultan, Samach Mem, and Lily, Lamed Yud, Lamed Yud Saf. Sam and Lily, says the Sam Sofer, is 1480. That's 580 altogether, which made Seir. Seir is the Gematria of 580 altogether. That was the name of Seir. Yaakov learned Torah. He brought down the shame El of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and gave it over to the Sam so that Sam became a Kadosh thing. Sam Ma with the L added on to it. That's what he did. He brought down that L there. 580 plus the 31 of the Aleph Lamed that Yaakov was able to bring down became 611 by him learning Torah. He was able to be Mavatul the Koach of the Sam and Lily of those two, the, the head demons so to speak, the head of all the Tumah by being able to do this idea by bringing down Torah by sitting and learning and not getting involved with this stuff. But that was what convinced Yitzhak more than anything else. The Paneach Raza, a Rishon, says that certainly Yitzhak recognized that Asa was evil. Listen to this Paneach Raza. He was able to read foreheads. And he certainly saw the sins that Asa did on his forehead. Like any other Sfardi Makobo, he was able to see the sins that were written on top of there. And all the terrible things that were done in his lifetime. It's one of the reasons why I don't like going near Rabbi Raka, just in case. Just in case. He's just looking at my forehead. I never want him to be like, oh, really? <laughs> the last thing that I want to have. last thing I want to have from over there. What? Yeah, yeah, I agree. He also knew he was able to accomplish... Yeah, 100%. He also knew that he was able to accomplish one mitzvah extremely well. I Meaning, granted, he got all this tumor, but he did do keep it up aim much, much better. He figured me talk shalom lishma balishma. That's the line says the Panam. He's starting to do things in the wrong way, but it's, he's going to get there. He'll get there. If, as long as he keeps doing mitzvot, he'll build himself up and he'll become something great. And that's the answer why Yitzhak wanted to give his hand. Was he doing it in You know, that's the question. If we say he did it in the highest form, then it must have been strong. Did he ever do keep it aim? Did he ever, was he ever Mechavi? Well, we don't see it. Do, yeah, we don't see it. We don't see it. We have no idea whether it happened or not. But that's already the Kasha. Well, if he did keep it in, then you see it. At the end of the Parsha, doesn't say that he said that he saw that the daughters of Canaan were not good in the eyes of his mother and father? Yeah, that's well, true. 
that's true. And that's why you married somebody else. So that's definitely something that you can look at and see. See, they were upset. So we did do something. But was their kibbutz aim to that extreme? And really, was the kibbutz up and done in the right way? Says the Panach Raza, Shalom Lishma. Maybe it could be Lishma. That was the idea. Okay, we have a couple answers over here. The Kedushas Levi, the Tzvar Shalom, and the Mashi Law are Chasidish. They're all Chasidish. The Kedushas Levi, the Levi, the Redditches. The Tzvar Shalom is the Radamsker, the Rav Shalom of Radamsk, and the Mashi Law of the Ishpitzer. Okay, we're going to deal with three Chasidish answers. So the Kedushas Levi says, Gold of Rachman Latavavit. Yitzchak Avinu knew that sometimes Midas Adin is dressed up in a in a lavush of something that's that's really good, but we just don't see it. In other words, it, it really is good at the end of the day. Even bad things are good. And it was just there. Yitzchak's bracha to Esau was to reveal the good in the world. To bring out the good so that you always saw the good. You could never see anything bad. Even when people did bad or people acted bad or whatever it was, there would be nothing bad really in the world. Everything could be turned into something good. It would give a purpose. That would allow Klal Yisrael that when they do sins to be punished immediately. Rifkimina you know, felt that shouldn't be in this world. It was like Adam before the Chait. That's not a world that we live in, said Rivka Menu. She had prevented it from happening. And that was the idea of giving the bracha to Esau would allow Esau to be on a different level where things would happen in this world immediate. There would be immediate repercussions for your actions. The Guzlevi says another answer was to knock down Mekatrigim and Shadim, the Sutton, so that Yaakov would be free to do what he could without any powers of evil attempting to stop him. That was the idea behind it and what was going on. Rav Shlomo adds to this. Rav Shlomo, this first Shlomo says, Yitzchak was deathly afraid to give Yaakov any part of the world. You don't take a guy like Yaakov and put him out by Lava. You don't do that. He never wanted that. Rav Shlomo Mirdamsk says, you don't take a great guggle who's sitting and learning so well and say, all right, let's see what you're like if you go out there. He didn't want him to become a Balgaiva. He didn't want him to be brought down. He assumed, Yitzchak, you know, that Yaakov was going to be on this level where all he was going to have in his thoughts all day long were spiritual. Why bring him into this world? And the truth is, he was right. But Yaakov, you know, was different. Yaakov, you know, was able to keep his Kadosh thoughts even when he worked for Lava. Even when he worked for a person like Lavan, he was still able to keep his cutter's thoughts and keep himself in a world of Kedusha. That's a rarity. But Yaakov was able to do it. Yitzchak didn't think he should try it. So he wanted to make sure that Yitzchak would be, Yitzchak wanted to make sure that Esau would get everything and Yaakov would just be on the side. But isn't so a speak. spiritual leader who was able to relate to the common folk, right? Isn't that... Um, a mile for the people. It's a bigger benefit for the people. See, if you have somebody that wrote I want you to, I want you to think this way. Avraminu versus Yitzchak. Right. Avraminu related with the people. Yitzchak never did. So Yitzchak thought that the better leadership would be someone who's totally removed from the other people. So he should be like him. way better than his son. And that's correct. He understood that his way was the Iker and therefore got involved with what he got involved with. He was the one who stood up and did everything to be able to show people this is what you should do. That's what Yitzchak you know, said to people and Yaakov you know, was like him. Rivka Yimeinu, who was more with the people growing up with love and growing up with those types of people, he was able to, she was able to understand no, 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 we need a leader like you're talking about. Somebody that's connected. Somebody that does have that ability to connect with other people. And that's the concept of what it was. Wasn't that a point of criticism earlier of Noah that he only took care of himself as good as he was? And shame as well, as well as shame and Aver and the yeshiva of shame. Aver was the major, you know, was the major deal. That's right. Yitzchok Vinu, nonetheless, did not get involved in that outreach. Now he had Gerim, but it was a different type. Yitzchok's Gerim came to him as opposed to him going to them. It was a very different type of outreach that Yitzchok Vinu was involved with. So although Noah he felt had done it in the wrong way, not davening for the other people, Yitzchok davened for them, for them to come to him. 
but he didn't go out to them and he did not open up his tent, so to speak, the same way that Avinu did. Yaakov, on the other hand, Yaakov is a very interesting individual when it comes to this stuff. Yaakov never had gear. We don't see a single gear from Yaakov Avinu. Not only that, we see that he's insular. We see that he's insular. The difference is, Yitzchak Avinu by the Be'eros in this week's parsha, darshaned. He got up and he spoke B'Shem Hashem. So we see he did go to the Polishim, he did go to the Be'eros, etc. Yaakov stayed away from Shechem. He kept away from all the people. As soon as he came back, he made his own area and didn't let anyone near him. He didn't get, 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 there were no Gerim at all. When he came down, there were 70 people of him. Everybody else was gone. Yaakov's a little bit different. The way the Meshachachma puts it, Avraminu did Erev Tavshilin. Erev Tavshilin and making extra food for guests. Yaakov did Erev Tchumen. He put up borders and he said, stay out. To put it that it's a, it's a different world the Mashalot gives our last answer over here every time Yitzchak looked at Esav he was able to pull out Kedusha he saw Reb Meir he's going to come from Esav Reb Meir was a Ger he came from Titus he saw Uvazia the Ger Tzedek the Navi was going to come from, from, from Esav they were from his seed he saw the Gerim that were going to come and that's Kedusha the there was Kedusha within Esav Esav thought that he did bad things Yitzchak knew about those bad things he knew that he was he did evil deeds he knew that his wives were there but he knew there was Kedusha within Esav he understood it was there the purpose of these buckles was to bring out that Kedusha. When? Who knows? It'll be at some point. But at some point, that Kedusha is going to be pulled out. That Kedusha is going to be there. That's the idea. He's being mevarer his mysum, so to speak. Clarifying the deeds of Esau and letting him know what was going to be in that situation. That's the idea of what this bracha was. The bracha was to make him not just into a better person or anything, but to allow that good in Esau to eventually come out. To allow it to be there maybe even quicker. To bring out Ovadia and Remeir even quicker than it was. Yaakov didn't need it. And that's what he saw. Esav would need it to bring out the Kedusha. Yaakov already had that Kedusha shining forth from him, so it's not necessary for it to be. The bracha was not just a bracha. It was literally like pulling out, the way they say it is, you know, your motzi v'nitsotso sakidosha from out, from, from, from what he was, from what Esav had. It's an unbelievable idea of what he was trying to do over here. And that's the matamim, and that's what he was doing with the bracha. The, the whole thing is explained by this mashal of the Ishpitzer, and how to understand it, taking out that kedusha. So altogether we have about six answers, maybe seven answers altogether. Rivka's plan was how we started off altogether. We then went to the classic answer of trying to make Esav into a better person through the Brachos. We then went into the Yisuffer's ruling relationship. That possibly was an answer. We said that there was a Yitzchak's fooled not only by the bribery which was Victor Miller's but also through the Tuma that Esav got involved with and the magics that he was involved with. We said that it was Shemitok Shaloli Shema Bali Shema from the Panach Raza and then the Hasidish answers of pulling out the Kedusha of Esav of some way the Mashi Law of the Kedusha's Lady allowing it to be in some way that not wanting Yaakov to be involved in the world uh, f- afraid of letting it affect him. That's the idea guys we're going to stop with that.